Good afternoon. You are now tuned in to NPZ Law Group's Immigration Law Podcast. My name is Michael. I'm a law clerk here at NPZ Law Group. If you've been tuned in to previous episodes of our podcast, you know we've covered everything from the labor perm certification process, as well as travel advisories and news about COVID-19 relating to immigration law. Today, we're happy to announce the first part of an eight-part series entitled ABCs of H-1Bs. The title of today's episode, H-1B filing season gets into full swing for H-1B employers and prospective H-1B employees. On December 6, 2019, USCIS announced a requirement for employers seeking to file H-1B cap subject petitions, including those eligible for the advanced degree exemption to first electronically register and pay the associated $10 H-1B registration fee before filing a petition. If a sufficient number of registrations are received, USCIS randomly selects the number of registrations projected as needed to reach the H-1B numerical allocations after the initial registration period closes and no later than March 31, 2022. Prospective petitioners with selected registrations will be eligible to file a cap subject petition only for the alien that is named in the registration. USCIS will not consider a cap subject petition properly filed unless it is based on a valid registration selection for the same beneficiary and the appropriate fiscal year. Additionally, although petitioners can register multiple aliens during a single online submission, Duplicate registrations for the same beneficiary in the same fiscal year will be discarded. What does this mean for immigration practitioners, professionals, and prospective H-1B employers and employees? To better prepare for the H-1B cap season, this podcast will endeavor to summarize a few practice pointers that every prospective H-1B employer and employee needs to know. There are limited numbers. Not 65,000, there are only 58,200 regular H-1B visas. The annual cap on the H-1B visa category is 65,000. However, all H-1B non-immigrant visas are subject to this annual cap. Up to 6,800 visas are set aside from the cap of 65,000 during each fiscal year for the H-1B1 program, designed specifically for the nationals of Chile and Singapore. Unused numbers in the H-1B1 pool are made available for H-1B use for the next fiscal year. Thus, in effect, only 58,200 H-1B visas are granted each year with the exception of the 20,000 additional H-1B visas, which are reserved for individuals who received a master's or higher degrees from a United States college or university. In an upcoming podcast, we'll discuss in detail whether or not every master's degree from a U.S. academic institution qualifies an individual for the H-1B master's cap. Because of the limited number of H-1B visas, employers should identify individuals who would need H-1B sponsorship. This allows sufficient time for petition preparation, including the time required to file and receive certification of the LCA, Labor Condition Application, Form ETA 9035. Formulating a strategy for an H-1B petition is key to hiring an H-1B employee for the next USCIS fiscal year beginning October 1st, 2022. 
How long will USCIS accept H-1B petitions? With the new H-1B online registration period starting roughly in early March, if a sufficient number of registrations are received, USCIS randomly selects the number of registrations projected as needed to reach the numerical allocations after the initial registration period closes and no later than March 31st, 2021. USCIS will provide guidance on how to use the registration system and prepare registrations before opening the registration system for the initial registration period. A tip, refrain from submitting multiple H-1B registrations for the same employee. An employer may not submit more than one H-1B registration for each prospective employee during the fiscal year. This limitation also precludes an employer from filing multiple petitions for different jobs for the same employee, but does not preclude related employers, parent and subsidiary companies or affiliates, from filing petitions for the same beneficiary. However, the employer must demonstrate a legitimate business need to do so, and if it fails to meet that burden, all petitions on behalf of the beneficiary will be denied or revoked. Tip number two, both the proffered position and the prospective H-1B employee should qualify. For a proffered position to qualify for an H-1B visa, it must be a job in a specialty occupation. A specialty occupation is defined as an occupation that requires one, a theoretical and practical application of a body of highly specialized knowledge, and two, attainment of a bachelor's or higher degree in the specific specialty or its equivalent as a minimum for entry into the occupation in the United States. H-1B regulations further require that a position also meet one or more of the following criteria in order to qualify as a specialty occupation. A baccalaureate or higher degree or its equivalent is normally the minimum requirement for entry into the particular position. The degree requirement is common to the industry in parallel positions among similar organizations. The employer normally requires a degree or its equivalent for the position and the nature of the specific duties are so specialized and complex that knowledge is required to perform the duties and is usually associated with the attainment of a baccalaureate or higher degree. Therefore, in order to qualify as a specialty occupation, a proffered position must require a theoretical and practical application of a highly specialized knowledge, require a bachelor's degree or higher in specific specialty as a minimum for entry into the occupation, and it has to meet at least one of the four previously mentioned criteria. For a prospective employee to qualify for the proffered H-1B position, regulations specify that they have at least one of the following. One, full state licensure to practice in the occupation. Two, completion of the degree required by the occupation. Three, progressively responsible work experience in the specialty equivalent to the completion of such a degree and thus a general degree absent specialized experience might actually be insufficient because there must be a showing of a degree in a specialized field. The third tip is that the filing fee depends upon the type and size of the H-1B employer. Initially, an employer will need to pay the H-1B registration fee in the amount of $10. Aside from that fee, the employer will also need to pay the USCIS filing fees. 
The amount of the H-1B filing fee depends on the size and type of the employer. All employers are required to pay the base filing fee for the H-1B petition, which is currently $460. Additionally, pursuant to the American Competitiveness and Workforce Improvement Act, ACWIA, employers are required to pay an additional fee, which is commonly referred to as the ACWIA fee, of $750, or $1,500, unless they are exempt under Part B of the H-1B Data Collection and Filing Fee Exemption Supplement. A sponsoring employer is required to pay a fee of $750 if it employs 25 or fewer full-time equivalent employees. In all other cases, the employers need to pay $1,500. Employers such as institutions of higher education, nonprofit organizations, or entities related to or affiliated with an institution of higher education, nonprofit research organizations, government research organizations, are exempt from paying the ACWIA fees. Additionally, Employers seeking initial approval of an H-1B must pay a $500 fraud prevention and detection fee, which is mandated by the H-1B Visa Reform Act of 2004. As a result of the fiscal year of 2020 Omnibus Appropriations Bill, which was passed on December 18th of 2015, the supplemental fee for H-1B petitions are increasing for companies that employ 50 or more employees in the United States and have more than 50% of their workforce in H-1B, L-1A, or L-1B non-immigrant status. Specifically, the previously expired fees, H-1B petitions, will increase from $4,000. These supplemental fees must be paid on initial and extension petitions. Either the employer or employee can pay an optional premium processing fee of $1,225 to expedite the adjudication of a position. For the past two years, USCIS suspended premium processing service. Our fourth tip, be aware of salary and benching costs. A prospective employer must obtain an approved Labor Condition Application, LCA, from the United States Department of Labor. The employer attests on the LCA that the H-1B non-immigrant worker will be paid wages which are at least the higher of the actual wage paid by the employer to all other individuals with similar experience and qualifications for the specific employment in question, or the prevailing wage level for the occupational classification in the area of intended employment. The reason for this is not to undercut wages that are paid to the U.S. workers in comparable positions. Congress has included a safeguard in the H-1B program, and additionally, in some cases, employers are required to pay the costs for the petition process. The wage offered to the prospective H-1B non-immigrant may drive whether or not the employer is or is not required to pay for the H-1B visa process. Regulations require that employers must begin paying LCA-stated wages when the employee makes him or herself available to work, but not later than 30 days after the employee's entry into the United States. That is, if the employee is outside of the United States, or 60 days from the date that USCIS grants a change of status. That's if the prospective H-1B non-immigrant is inside the U.S. Liability begins to accrue when the person enters into employment with the employer. 
Thus, even if the worker has not yet entered into employment when the H-1B worker is present in the United States on the date of the approval of the H-1B petition, the employer is technically required to pay to the worker the required wage beginning 60 days after the date that the H-1B worker becomes eligible to work for the sponsoring employer. The H-1B worker becomes eligible to work for the employer on the date that's set forth in the approved H-1B petition, which is filed by the employer. An employer must continue to pay an H-1B employee who is not working due to a non-productive status at the direction of the employer. As we mentioned previously, this is referred to as benching because of a lack of work, a lack of permit, or license. This regulation applies even if the H-1B employee is receiving training. Thus, the employer is liable for both non-productive as well as productive time once the employee becomes eligible for work. Employers who do not pay non-terminated H-1B employees may face civil penalties. Employers are generally advised to pay an H-1B employee his or her salary as listed on the LCA until that employee has been terminated and USCIS has been notified of the request to withdraw the H-1B petition. Furthermore, if the H-1B employee is terminated prior to the end of the period of admission, the employer should withdraw the H-1B and may be liable for the reasonable costs of return transportation to the foreign national's home country. Tip number five, compliance issues, posting notice of the LCA and maintaining public access files. Notice of the LCA must be posted, or where there is a union, it must be given to the union before filing the LCA. The notice may be the LCA itself or a document of sufficient size and visibility that indicates that 1. H-1Bs are sought, 2. The number of H-1Bs being sought, 3. The occupational classification, 4. The wages that are offered, 5. The period of employment, 6. The location at which the H-1Bs will be employed, and seven, that the LCA is available for public inspection. The notice should state where the complaints may be filed. Notice must be posted at two conspicuous locations, at place of employment, where any H-1B non-immigrant will be employed, and the notice shall be posted on or within 30 days before the date the LCA is filed with the United States Department of Labor, and shall remain posted for a total of 10 days. Notice may be posted in areas where wage and hour and OSHA notices are posted. An employer may also provide electronic notice to employees in the occupational classification for which H-1Bs are sought through any means it normally uses to communicate with employees, which includes a homepage, electronic bulletin board, or email. If accomplished through email, it needs only to be sent once. Other electronic Forms, homepages, etc. should be posted for 10 days. Notices must be posted at each worksite, including ones that are not originally contemplated at the time of filing, but which are within the area of intended employment. Same MSA. MSA meaning mean statistical area, as is listed on the LCA. Additionally, an employer must maintain a group of documents referred to as a PAF, or public access file. The PAF must be accessible to interested and aggrieved parties. It must be available at either the employer's principal place of business or at the worksite. An interested party is one that has notified the Department of Labor of his or her interests or its concern in the administrator's determination. 
The PAF has to be available within one day after the LCA is filed with all supporting documentation, which includes a copy of the completed LCA, documentation which provides the wage rate to be paid, a full clear explanation of the system that's used to set the actual wage, a copy of the documentation used to establish the prevailing wage, copy of the notice given to the union and or employees, and a summary of the benefits offered to U.S. workers in the same occupational classification. If there are differences, a statement as to how differentiation in benefits is made without divulging proprietary information. Our sixth and final tip, to demonstrate sufficient level of control over prospective H-1B employees. In order for the H-1B petition to be approved by USCIS, a petitioning employer must establish that an employer-employee relationship exists and will continue to exist throughout the duration of the requested H-1B validity period. Hiring a person to work in the United States requires more than merely paying the wage or placing that person on the payroll of the H-1B petitioning organization. In considering whether or not there's a valid employer-employee relationship for the purchases of H-1B petition adjudication, USCIS must determine if the employer exercises a sufficient level of control over the H-1B employee. Thus, the prospective H-1B petitioner organization must be able to establish that it has the right to control when, where, and how the prospective H-1B non-immigrant beneficiary will perform the professional and specialty occupation job. USCIS considers various factors in making such a determination, with no one particular factor being decisive. For more information about the H-1B non-immigrant work visa process, or to consider H-1B non-immigrant work visa options, the Immigration and Nationality Lawyers and Attorneys at NPZ Law Group invite you to visit them on the web at www.visaserve.com or to email them at info at visaserve.com. Alternatively, you can call at 201-670-0006 at extension 104. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of NPZ Law Podcast. We hope to see you next time.